There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Hello and welcome back to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Thank you for joining me again. I really appreciate it. Today, I welcome the co-founder and CEO of Every Door, Jordan Tetrick. Jordan started his company just about two years ago now, and he's on a pretty rapid trajectory. That's a hard word to say, trajectory. And his company is solving a lot of problems for food brands, specifically around kind of how we've always done it in our industry on the on the sales side with printed out point of sale. And, you know, it gets very time consuming and it's not very cost effective. And so he's come out with a better way to go to market with Excel sheets and the digital age. It's really exciting. And he's a really cool entrepreneur. I think you're really going to resonate with him. He's got a fun story. Let's go ahead and welcome Jordan. All right, Jordan, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join me here today. I've been looking forward to our conversation. I know you and I have chatted uh, quite a bit in the past and looking forward to sharing your story with the world. So thank you for joining me. Nick, it's an, an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So why don't we start off with, you know, with, with all the guests that I have come on, I, I start off with the real basics of how did you get started? So let's, let's, let's go there first. How did you get into the food industry? I got in the food industry right out of college. Uh, I happen to have an older brother, Josh, who founded a company called Eat Just. Yeah. And when I graduated college, he was at the very early stages of founding Eat Just. And he needed folks on the ground doing uh, whatever needed to be done. And I happily raised my hand. So I flew out to San Francisco from the East Coast and got to work. And I'd be lying to you if I would say if anything I was doing off the bat was glamorous. It was um, everything from grocery shopping for the chefs to taking out the garbage to washing dishes, um, really just getting in there doing whatever needed to be done. And then, you know, as we started to, to get some customers, we needed to do demos. We needed to get our products in the mouths of consumers and tell our stories. And I raised my hand. And I'd say that was the best thing I could have ever done. I spent the next year at Whole Foods, at Costco, wherever we were selling our products, and day in and day out demoing. Usually it was just Mayo, our product at the time, to consumers walking by who had no idea who we were somehow getting them to try this plant-based mayo that we had launched and telling them our story, our why, and hopefully convincing them to buy a jar of just mayo. And really that sparked my love for, for sales. That sparked my love for storytelling for a brand. And from there, started to, to get into to retail sales, calling on natural customers, then into regional, then into national, and then started to, to play in the food service space too. So got in very early with eJust because my brother and, and really found my, my area within sales and touched on everything from retail to food service to Canada to South Korea. So that's really how, how I got my start. 
I love that. South Korea, man. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before joining your brother, had you even held a, a full-time job before, prior to that? Full-time job, the closest thing to that may have been a, a personal trainer or a, okay. or a baseball baseball coach. But oh. uh, in t- in, until that, man, that, that was it. Did you play baseball in college? Yeah. I, I did. I had the opportunity to play, play baseball in college. Wasn't, wasn't good enough to, to go further than that, but yeah, but was an amazing experience. Nice, man. Where'd you go to school? I jumped around a little bit. Uh, out of high school, I went to a junior college because I wanted to okay. you know, go that route for baseball. So it was yeah. a small school in, in West Virginia. And then I jumped around to a school in Jersey City. And then finally to uh, Florida International in Miami. Nice. So I've nice. been been I, all over the map. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, I too took the the baseball route, and I went to Chapman University, which is a small private school here in Orange County. Sure. And uh, we're Division three. And when yeah. I was there, I, we, we weren't any good, but it was it was a fun. I, I only played my first two years, and then after my second year, I said, you know what, I'm going to do a trip to. Uh, Florence, Italy. So I did study abroad for about four or five months. And when I was there, I was like, I really enjoy the freedom here. I've played baseball and had that structure my whole life. And I think I'm ready for yep. the last two years to not have that. And, uh, yeah. you know, I wasn't getting, as, being as Division three, I wasn't getting paid to play baseball you know, in terms of a scholarship. So it was time. Sure. And I felt like I, I was like, I lived my college dream of playing Good in college and and uh but it, and it's time to go out i want to go out yeah. on my own terms so i that good for you so but it was a fun journey it's a tough decision it's a, t- it's tough a hard decision, thing to let go yeah sure is sure is get get emotional even thinking about it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly you know a lot of a lot of great learnings from that experience and but everything does happen in for a reason and for me for it, sure. i i i think all of the learnings I had for baseball helped me in the food service industry, starting a company oh, with man. my dad. And uh, what was it like working with family? What was it like working with, with your brother? Yeah, my, my brother uh, is, is, holds a lot of, lot of positions for me. Uh, not only is he my brother, not only for most of my career has he been my boss, he's my hero. So yeah. being able to work with him was it's like working with with Batman, you know, you get to yeah. be alongside of someone and, and learn from them day in and day out. Uh, and it was a dream. Yeah. I am the entrepreneur I am today because of my brother. Um, so uh, being able to do that was really special. Something That's that cool. I, yeah, I really cherished. What are some of the, the qualities or characteristics that he has as an entrepreneur that you think has made him as successful as, as he's become? He is a machine. Uh, he is laser locked focused on what um, he wants to accomplish, and that's changing the world, changing the global food system. And yeah. he's laser locked on that, and he won't stop until he does it. He is grit. If you look in the definition, it's his picture. It says Josh Tetrick, uh <laughs> get to know him because that's grit. And uh, I think anything that he's accomplished today and will continue to accomplish is because. Uh, he has a fire inside of him that will not go out, and he is gritty as all hell. And uh, when one door closes, he'll find another crack to 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 go even further. That's awesome. That is really cool. Yeah. When you and him joined for- forces, how how old was his company at that point? Uh, it was he had just raised uh, initial seed, and okay. at that very early stages of he just was a. Uh, 
it was a prototype. It was the idea was removing eggs from baked goods. Honestly, that was the very first concept yeah. of eat just. And so he just raised a little bit. He hired a couple chefs and then he brought me on. And if, if he were talking today, he'd say I was his longest standing intern uh, for over <laughs> a year. I think then I, I was promoted to what was called general employee at the time. <laughs> so general was, employee, in, I love in, it. In true, in true startup fashion, man, it was get done what needs to get done, put your head down, yeah. do good work, and uh, help build a company that you know, and everyone's, everyone's pushing to make happen. Yeah. I remember my, my very first title that I held probably for about six years was operations slash sales. That was my title. So anybody got <laughs> my right, card? You, go. you know, it's like I do everything. I'm kind of the janitor, I'm kind of the sales guy, I'm kind of, you know, whatever. You know, you know, it's funny that like, going back to we were talking about baseball. Yeah. More athletes I found really get that. That, yeah. you know, if you need to be a utility player, you're on the roster, you're on the team. If you need to right. just shag balls for one season, then do it because that's what needs to be done. You know, yeah. I think no one comes, no, no one has the expectations of joining a team and starting batting cleanup. And you know, being the ace from day one, you know, you gotta you gotta work. And uh, yeah, I, I I tell my friends that all the time of wanting to get into the space, wanting to really build a career, get into the ground floor, a scrappy startup, and do whatever needs to be done. Oh, have definitely. your uh, have your have, have your pride, you know, at the front door, and and get to work. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely you know starting a your your own business is definitely you can't have that plan b you got to be all in and take a lot of risk 100%. and put yourself out there you know you might be embarrassed if it doesn't work and it's it's a scary venture you 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 know you assume all the risk but you get a, uh, a good portion of the reward too if it does work out uh, 100% 100% when you guys were just starting out when was this and was plant based even a category at that point in time oh man this was uh, 2000, I want to say 14, 2013, okay. 14, something around there. Plant-based, that term wasn't being floated around. It was vegan. And okay, vegan, yeah. uh, especially back then, meant this isn't going to taste good. This is only for uh, hippies in San Francisco. And <laughs> this is going to be wildly expensive. So, uh, you know, when we were first started to really talk to consumers, whether that was a demo at Whole Foods or running ads on Facebook, we would never use that term. Because what yeah. Eat Just still does to this day is it doesn't matter if it's plant-based, if it's vegan, whatever it is, we're going to blow your mind because this product is delicious. It's wildly sustainable and it's at a place and a price that you can afford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. So, so re- re- really, when we uh, were at you know, at the beginning stages, vegan was very much a word which uh, we tried to avoid just to not alienate ourselves, not put ourselves in a box that would be pretty hard to get out of. Yeah, totally. When my dad and I, when we started our business back, and we started in 2015, and we yeah. were just, it was just him and I, we, uh, you know, we're very limited on capital. Yeah. And putting our the life savings of our, our, our family on the line, but Yep. It was, we found a lot of times when we interview for a new manufacturer client, people were scared of the new guy or new guys. They were scared to make a change. And so a lot, it was a sure. lot of that. Touch base with me in six months to see if you're still there. 
But every six sure. months, we would get better and better and better. And even to mm. this day, where we were six months ago is not the same as to, as we are today, or where we'll be in six months from now. Uh, you know, it's kind of that constant evolution. But uh, you know, it's not an easy business. It's not what easy is, to do that. Not hundred percent, man. I mean, we can. Uh, I'll touch on the baseball theme. I'll, I'll podcast llama. What would Billy yeah. Bean say in uh, Moneyball? Adapt or die. You know, uh, that's right. You got to got to got to keep growing. Got to keep moving. Especially in this, right. in this space that, that we're all in. I'm in a, I'm in a, um, I'm in a business organization and we do, it's called entrepreneurs organization and we do something called mm-hmm. a 5% share. So it's sharing like the 5%, uh, like the most like emotionally complex issues within, in, in the month. So it's like the really good 5% and then like the really bad 5%. What would be a 5% share or something that you took away from your time at Eat Just where you said, you know what, this was a moment where it challenged me greatly and this is what happened because of it? Yeah, you know, especially early on, resources, you know, uh, to that a lot of larger CPG brands have of running national ad campaigns and, and spending you know, wild amount of dollars on slotting and everything that goes into bringing a CPG brand to life, especially within retail, we a lot of times didn't have access to. So you had to, you had to find ways of gaining momentum, you know, that, that really challenged the status quo of how things are done. You know, that could have been every, everything from, you know, creating a groundswell of consumer demand to really show retailers and food service operators that plant-based eggs were something that folks wanted. You can imagine very early on, I mean, we're talking about each us here, you know, the leaders of plant-based eggs, you go to Pete's coffee today and you may think that's a no brainer. Why wouldn't there be plant-based eggs? But you know, when we first launched it, people looked at us like we're crazy. Who on earth would ever want a plant-based egg? And we had to show them that you know what we hear from consumers all day long about how much they want it they uh, want to buy it in stores they want to buy it in restaurants so we literally had to come up with ways of showing our demand before you know we could really show them velocity data you know like most companies would have access to we we created campaigns to 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 show our worth so now current day what are you yeah. up to yeah uh, proudly, I uh, have, have jumped all in on my entrepreneurial journey. And as I mentioned earlier, my brother is my hero. And as you yeah. can imagine, looking up to someone who's a phenomenal entrepreneur, you're one day thinking, man, when do I get to take my swing at being a founder mm-hmm. as well? And it's been over a year and a half. I'm proud to say that the, mm-hmm. the proud founder of a company called Every Door. We yeah. are challenging the status quo of how CPG brands sell today. One of the biggest things that I learned in my time at Eat Just was in the world of a CPG brand, whether you're mm-hmm. big into retail, big into food service, or both, you are spending so much time collecting information, sending out information, telling your story in a way that's authentic to you. And the tools that brands have today are not efficient. They're not right. optimized for what needs to be done. They were built decades ago in a time where... People are, you know, uh, walking in, selling with a briefcase and a folder printed, you know, one pagers. 
that is just not how business is done for the majority today. And every door is helping brands stand out, get more efficient, and really do more with less. Let's drive down a little bit deeper into that. What does it look like when a brand works with you? What are the deliverables yeah. that you you provide to them? Yeah, our hero feature today is what we call a dynamic sell sheet. Okay. So going going back to my my times at eJust, and I know it's the case in food service too. The first introduction to our brand, whether it be from our internal team, from our broker, from a distributor, most of the time is a sell sheet. It's that one pager. That's what that customer is essentially going to evaluate whether they're interested in this product line or not. At eJust, we constantly had to update it. We constantly had to add new products, new codes, new dimensions, new ways of telling our story. And because of the way information flows today in the space, Old versions got out into the wild and they were never updated. So we'd find that customers would have versions of our sell sheets from six months ago with old products and old codes and old images. So our dynamic sell sheets is think of instead of a PDF that's stagnant, that mm-hmm. doesn't tell your story, that goes out of date, we've created a real-time sell sheet where every bit of information and content that is shown can be updated in real time. You can play a personal video pitching your product. You can list off all of your SKUs that you want that customer to see. Multiple images can be downloaded onto your desktop. You can filter for distributors that have your availability in your codes. And as soon as I send you a customer, a buyer, an operator, a distributor, the link to my sell sheet, whether you click on it today, tomorrow, or six months from now, you're always going to get the most accurate, up-to-date information, no matter what. So long answer to your question, dynamic sell sheets are our kind of star feature that we have today that brands are using out in the wild. They're using it in our real t- retail space. So sending this to category managers, they're mm-hmm. using this in the food service space as something that folks are walking into operators giving them the deliverable, that dynamic sell sheet, and actually having action being taken from those sell sheets. Um, and they're managing it all on every door in one spot. Okay, okay. Now, now what if I threw out a challenge at you? What about yep. that, that salesperson who's old school? And yeah, they, love, <laughs> they love to have their, their printed out uh, point yeah. of sale sheet. You know, it, it, it's got all the information they need on there. And now this is, yeah. you know, the dynamic sell sheet. How would how can that person who's used to doing it one way now use this way? Yeah. So uh, let's take that person. I'm imagining, no matter how old school this person is, I imagine they have a phone. They have a phone that they're using for email, and they're probably mm-hmm. texting folks as well. Mm-hmm. Now to prepare for that meeting that they're going into for this operator, they're they have to print out this sell sheet somehow. Somehow, they got to get it in their hands, right? So maybe they're taking, uh, they're going into their SharePoint or Dropbox or phishing through their email. They're going to download it onto their desktop. They're going to send it to their printer. They're going to print it out and then they're going to put it away in a folder somewhere where they can deliver it to the, the, the operator. That's well and great, but in my mind, it's wildly inefficient. All they need to do with every door is walk into that operator and they can either text them the sell sheet from their phone. They can send it via email from their phone. 
And now, no matter what, whether that operator needs a distributor code, whether they need a case pack, whether they need uh, an updated version, your job is now done because it's always going to live within that one link. So yeah, the status quo of printing out and walking in is what people are used to. But when you unpack it, it's actually wildly inefficient, especially in a time when we've got self-driving cars and AI seems to be taking over every job function. I think we can do a little bit better. That's what I find very interesting about what you're doing is I feel like the food service industry, in my experience, since I started in 2015, it's it's been a lot of, this is how we've always done it. And this is how it's always going to be sure. that that old school, there's kind of this, still, there's like a lot of that raw, raw around it. And yeah. it's almost like a badge of honor to go out there and, and do it the way that it's always been done. But sure. you're really taking this idea and disrupting an industry, which I find is one, it's not easy to do. How have you felt the, the reception has been towards every door? I'll start with the customer side because that's the most okay. important, right? At the end of the day, customers need to get value from receiving a dynamic sell sheet. So on the customer, no one enjoys walking a trade show floor and collecting hundreds of paper sell sheets, bringing that back to their desk at their office, and then trying to sort through all of those brochures and sell sheets. We call that's it not something that pe- Yeah, there you go. No one enjoys that. And then, okay, you're interested in the product. Now I got to find the right contact information, send them an email. I got to request a sample somehow. It's just, not, again, not a way people uh, process people enjoy. So when it comes to category managers, buyers, operators, distributors, having it all in one spot on one link that they can access all of the information that they need. They can even request a sample now, a feature that we're rolling out. We just made their lives wildly easier and more efficient. So again, most important is the customer. We just made their lives easier. Not to mention, honestly, I'll add something that we've seen too. There's no standard sell sheet or one pager in any industry. You're kind, it's kind of up, open to your interpretation. Yeah. So if you're an operator and you want to know, hey, what's the shelf life of this product? Get your magnifying glass out and, and good luck finding that piece of information. Yeah. But with ours, it's in the same spot every single time, no matter what brand has sent it to you. Now, to be able to have control over what customers are seeing has been invaluable. You know, you can spend a ton of time and a ton of internal bandwidth creating a beautiful customized sell sheet that's a PDF. But at the end of the day, how can you ensure? that your customer is receiving the most accurate, up-to-date information always. And we that's how, how we deliver for our uh, uh, brands. And then kind of between those distributors and brokers, you got you know many, many brands, many, many products to manage and to sell. What does it look like to have everything, again, under one roof, one link, to really gain efficiency internally as sales organizations? So yeah. across the game, we're seeing, of course, there are, people who are digging their heels in a little bit and saying, I want to print off black and white copies and do how I've always done. But for the most part, people are seeing that this, uh, this is where the industry is going and where it needs to go. Earlier today, I had, we do a, we call it a level 10 meeting. We do one with each one of our departments. And earlier we did customer service and 
So every week we meet with the team and we're talking about in our office, we have a, a full blown um, point of sale rack. And it, mm. it, it is probably, there's hundreds of slots. We've got a book that has all yeah. the, the printout as well. And, you know, when I was first started in the business, they were doing a lot of, you know, inbounding of point of sale, putting it onto the shelf. It is funny in our in our meeting today, they were saying, "Well, what's kind of happened with all the point of sale? I feel like people don't really send point of sale anymore." And I said, "Yeah, I mean, we can ask for it, but it's it's kind of really become a thing of the past. It's one, it's a cost uh, environmentally. Sure. You know, there's brands out there that don't sure. want to." Um, you know, jeopardize anything environmentally. And so it's really become digital. So, you know, you're, you're creating a, a better model and better way to go to market with what you're doing from what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. I mean, it's, a, it's one of those things where, you know, why is it need to be done the way it's done? Why, you know, this point of sale, these PDFs, these one pager sell sheets that, Again, our driving growth for brands, for brokers, for distributors—it um, doesn't need to be so clunky. You know, we we can create technologies that gives everyone time back in their day, while also delivering just a better experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, information within a click, within a tap, better storytelling for brands, and better access to actionable information like codes and samples and things that can really drive growth without you know needing to to invest invest much time or resources tell me about the the sample part what is that rollout going to look like yeah so we're again digging more into the way brands and their partners are selling today okay let's take a trade show as an example Um, i'm a category manager i'm an operator i'm walking the trade show i'm interested i grab a sell sheet and then maybe someone's card I go home or I go to my office and I want a case or a handful of units of that sample. I'm searching for that contact information. I'm sending them an email. I'm hoping it doesn't go to spam. I, like It's just a, a wild process. Why shouldn't I, while I'm walking a trade show, scan a QR code, have the dynamic sell sheet on my phone, and just as I order groceries or an Uber, I can order a sample of the products that I want from my phone, from my desktop, and it's the same every single time. So that feature is going to be rolling out in the next couple of weeks. And what's going to happen is you as a brand can set permissions. You can say when an operator submits a sample request, not only will the brand get that request, but also if your broker partner is involved, they'll get that as well, as long with the confirmation from whoever has requested it. More and more, we're going to be building features to help with tracking, to help with management. But we're really looking at the sales process for CPG brands and how do we take mm-hmm. just the manual stuff and bring some some thought and some beauty to it. And samples are kind of the next in line. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting beast. Is those is samples and. I had actually, on my last episode, I invited uh, Joel Robbins, who's the president of a company called Taste Pacific. And cool. part of his model is around samples. And what he, he has some sort of warehouse and yep. that's SQS certified and all of that. He so, has the products come in to, to him and he can break up the samples. Let's say it's a box of um, you know, 100 units 
he could break it down into three units, put it into a, a box with some dry ice and send it out anywhere it needs to go at an affordable rate. And he's saving brands like so 25 smart. to 35%. And I'm like, that, the sample part, especially on the broker side, I would imagine the manufacturer side, even the distributor side, it's, it's costly, financially costly. Uh, oh, same thing sure. with time. It takes a lot of time. For me yeah. to go from LA to Orange County, that's at least an hour, no traffic. For sure. You know, yeah. it, or if I have to, if one of our team members has to drive to our office, pick up the sample, then take it out, you know, it's, it's very uh, cumbersome to do that. And I've always thought too, and it sounds like you're, you're, you're building a way to f- fulfill this need is at a food show. It's so hard to, to plan the food show, set it up, work it all day long on your feet, eight hours, take it all down, bring it all back, put it all back on the shelves. And then you have all of the work that you missed for the last couple of days. Then you have to follow yeah. up with those customers. I, can yeah. I just follow up with them right there then at the show and just have a sample um, sent directly to them? 100%. Hundred percent, man. Same, 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 same thought here. It's uh, uh, again the way things are being done, the way they've been done, needs to be challenged. You know, and and especially during these times too. You know, when folks need to do more with less, teams are staying lean. You know, they're leaning on partners like brokers and distributors more to drive growth. You gotta enable them. You gotta enable them in a way that is manageable and makes sense. And it can't be so manual, you know. It can't be uh, like how everyone's done it in the past. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think what Joel's doing is is brilliant, and uh, yeah, kind of we're we're really going to be the front end of that. Of how do you request it in a really right. streamlined, simple way, and then right. folks like that are a great resource to fulfill. Totally, totally. Yeah, I, I should uh, connect you both. I think that would be an interesting. Love to. Uh, you know, that'd probably be a great partnership between the two. I mean, you yeah, guys. Uh, if you can, if you could solve that whole equation for a brand, or especially a broker, I mean, you could be very successful. Have you yeah, ever considered the thought? It just popped into my head here. Yeah, I think this would be a very. Uh, you can make a lot of money with this idea, and the idea awesome. would be access to. A distributor. And what I mean by that is, you can go out and any sales rep and a manufacturer, broker can go out out into the trade, into their own marketplace, present an item, and whatever distributor that operator uses, the the broker or the manufacturer can place an order directly with the distributor, Mm -hmm. as opposed to going through the distributor sales rep. You better believe that's where we want to go. You know, as you, you can imagine kind of our evolution, right? Of like, let's start with just the, the stuff that's, that's kind of at the, at the very beginning of this interaction, right? When it comes to information, when it comes to knowledge and training and sell sheets, let's get all of that information out of the manual mm-hmm. process. Right. Then let's make sure that action can be taken, like distributor codes, like availability, like sample requests. And then, yeah, absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't you be able to order from these as well from your distributor? So yeah. I, I love it, man. I think um, that's the dream for sure. Where do you want to yeah. take this company? What is you know what is your uh, what are they called the the BHAG, your big hairy audacious goal? My dream for this, you know, I'm, I'm very focused on this tool of a of a dynamic sell sheet, but every door mm-hmm. is a lot more than that. It's a platform that helps supports brands and their partners to do more with less and grow. 
but the dynamic sell sheets are really uh, a way to, to get in the door. Uh, my, you know, big heritage's goal is let's say, uh, maybe not this year, National Restaurant Association show, but maybe next year, walking down the aisle and every single booth and no one has printed off a sell sheet. Every single booth has a QR code that points everyone in the industry to their dynamic sell sheet on every door. Mm-hmm. Business is flowed through every door. I don't care if you're a manufacturer, if you're a broker or distributor, that's where it starts. Uh-huh. And the same can be true at, in retail, at, at Expo, at Unify shows. Um, if you're selling, it starts on every door. I, I think you could do it. I'm sure you've done some research on, on the market. How many manufacturers are there out there? It's a tough one. Yeah, we got we have numbers. It's it's tough, right? Because new ones pop up every single day. When you talk yeah. about consumer packaged goods, where do you really draw that line? Yeah. Right. You know, when it comes to uh, if we're just talking about you know natural brands, we're at around ten thousand. You know, when you wow. grow into to more conventional, you're up to the thirty thousands. This is just U.S. This isn't Canada or international. So there's certainly certainly a big market just here in the U.S. If you're just looking at food and beverage in retail food service, I'm sure those numbers are have been updated. But from what we've been able to find, we're it's around the ballpark. Totally. And I'm yeah. just curious, how are you able to get? How are you able to build all of this? Yeah, man. We uh, similar to some of the things I learned from my brother yeah. is uh, you can start something, you can have the idea, you can have the vision. Um, but at the end of the day, you need folks on your team that are far smarter than you are. So I got an amazing team here at Every Door of developers, of technical talent who are building product every single day. Um, so I got smart folks on our team. And one of the things that, that I do is talk to smart people like you, man, of <laughs> getting in, com- in, 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 in conversations with people who are driving this industry forward. Of what do you need? What problems are you seeing? How can I help you? You know, you listen to any startup podcast, right? It's first start off with with customer interviews. Whether you're uh, whether you're talking to your friends and family, whether you're just poking uh, picking people's brain off of LinkedIn of what problems are you seeing? Here's what I'm thinking about building. Could this help you? If it could, what else would you want to see? So I'm, I'm kind of collecting the data, I'm setting things in motion, and I've got a, a team here that's helping me build it. That's awesome. A, a few months ago, I had a gentleman on, the, on my podcast. His name is Scott Embringham, and he was not, not in the food service industry. He was in the automotive industry, and he had built okay. his company up to $10 million, And it was really based around just a handful of auto brands. And nearly yeah. overnight, he lost all of the business. He had a five hundred thousand mm. dollar line of credit that had to be paid off. He lost all of his business, and so he had he had a like an advisor or a coach. And the guy says, "You're not solving enough problems for people." So within mm. eighteen months, he found all of the problems that his customers had. And reinvented himself, reinvented his company. In 18 months, he got back to $10 million in sales, paid that $500,000 line of credit off. And and the model of his story was, the more problems I solve 
for others to make their lives easier or their work lives easier, the more money I'm going to make. And it sounds kind of, you know, you're going down that path. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems to solve in this space. And I am, we are laser locked focus on this industry of consumer packaged goods, Mm -hmm. laser locked focus. You know, you can, if you're a, a manufacturer, if you're a broker, if you're a distributor, you can find tools up and down the aisle that are kind of the be all for everyone. There's not a ton that is saying, I'm going to solve your problem. You are selling a food product into food service or retail. I built this for you. So we're laser locked focused on this industry, on solving problems that have gone overlooked that honestly may not be sexy when you first look at them, right? They're like, who wants to solve that? We'll raise our hand and solve it because at the end of the day, like I started of how do we help brands do more with less, get more efficient and build businesses that are, are lasting. And that's totally. what we're, we're doing. Totally. Do you see, yeah. or, or maybe it's already a part of what you're doing, artificial intelligence being a part of your company? Yeah, I mean, we, we'd, uh, we're of course looking at it. We're um, thinking about AI and we want to do it in a, a way that makes sense, that's thoughtful, that's not kind of just checking the box because everyone wants to, to be in AI. So we're looking at a couple of things that we can build into our product that would be truly helpful, um, not just something that's, you know, another, another chatbot. So to come, but again, when, when we roll something out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fit, it's going to make a lot of sense. What advice would you give to your younger self coming out of college? You know, you had yeah. a baseball background, someone who's smart, yeah. driven, wants to be successful. You know, it doesn't, it, it could be in the food industry or anywhere. What advice would you give to them or maybe give to yourself back then? Uh, bet on yourself. It's, um, it's something I got to remind myself every day. Uh, you got to bet on yourself. You know, you can, there's, it's, it's good to be humble. It's good to put your head down and work, but you know, at, at some point you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm, I'm betting on you. Uh, we're going to take a jump. We're going to take a leap together and whatever comes our way, we're going to, we're going to smile and be thankful for it because, um, this, this us, it's, it's, it's something that, yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's an emotional one for me, Nick. It's a, uh, I, it's been a dream of mine to, to be an entrepreneur in the very beginning. And I wanted to, do it in a way that was in a time where I was ready and, and something that made sense that I felt that I could bring a ton of value. And uh, I uh, have an incredibly supportive wife who reminded me to bet on myself, who mm-hmm. was in times when maybe I wouldn't have, she ensured that I would. So mm-hmm. I guess a second uh, piece of advice to that would be to find a partner who also believes in you to, to be there and, and to, to be pushing you. I don't know if you've ever read the book. Uh, it's called Millionaire, Millionaire Next Door. And the author, he surveyed or interviewed, I think it's like thousands of uh, people yeah. who were in the millionaire category. And the top five most common reasons as to why that person had become a millionaire or achieved millionaire status was because of a supportive partner, kind of as you're alluding to. And I believe it. And I, I believe it. It's... Uh, uh, I tell her if if um, whatever happens with every door or anything else, if there's if I even write a book that never becomes published that I just have in a drawer somewhere, uh, she's the first chapter because there would be no story uh, without her. 
Uh, so um, couldn't, couldn't agree more with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Looking far into the future, when you're all said and done in this industry, what are the things you will want to uh, have accomplished? Yeah, what's wild to think about that because I feel like I'm, I've, I've just tipped my, my toe into it. But yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, you know, I am passionate about helping good brands who are trying to make an impact, who are driven by a mission of a greater good. And if we can bring more automation, more uh, beauty or storytelling to them and help them grow, help them take on conventional categories, help them take on incumbents and really look back and say, uh, the software, the tools that we brought to this industry have helped good products grow and enter the marketplace and be here to stay. I feel pretty good about that. For the people who are listening and want to learn more about Every Door and potentially partner with you, what's the best way to sure. uh, connect with you or what's the best way to connect with Every Door? Yeah, you can do a couple of things. You can uh, add me on LinkedIn, Jordan Tetrick. You can go to everydoor.co. You can book a demo. Most likely it's going to be me who's on a demo call. So I'd happily take you through the platform or shoot me an email, jordan at everydoor.co. Um, whether that is a potential partnership, whether you're a manufacturer, whether it's just to connect and see uh, if there's something we could do together, be happy to hear from anyone. Jordan, thank you for. Uh, I, I I I can feel your vision, and I know you've got your your sights set on some big things in the future. So I commend you, and uh, look it, forward man. to watching you on your journey. And, and thank you for joining me here on the uh, Titans of Food Service podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Man.